Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Six to Go. It's D-Day for Toronto Wolfpack. Is this the end of Super League's North American dream? John Davidson joins me, Paul Bennett, to discuss the likely verdict on the Canadian club's bid for re-entry in 2021. Meanwhile, Wigan go top with a victory in a classic derby, but how exactly will this year's title be decided? All this and plenty more coming up, including the look ahead to Game 1 of State of Origin. Okay, John, I think we should um, start with uh, matters off the field again, to be honest, because uh, it's a pretty important few days coming up. Um, Particularly, well, I say few days, we're recording on Sunday, and on Monday there's a big Super League meeting, the biggest biggest point of the... uh, of discussion on the day is the future of Toronto Wolfpack with a final decision set to be made on whether to readmit the Canadians to the competition for 2021 under the ownership of businessman Carlo Lavolsi. Um, you have done quite a bit of work on this of late, John, and, and also today in the eye. It would be fair to say that uh, there's quite a lot of opposition to their return and that things aren't particularly looking too great for them? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it's a fait accompli that they will get voted out because it's rugby league and common sense is not usually um, applicable. And, you know, there's a lot of lobbying, lobbying sorry, and um, back-ended deals going on behind the scenes. So um, there is strong opposition against them. I'd say there's at least um, six clubs strongly opposed. I think there might be a couple of others who are holding their cards close to their chest, but I think there's six clubs plus Super League who have a vote who, um, you know, who want to reject their submission. Um, so you would think in theory that would be enough to block them, but as I said, um, stranger things have happened. I'm not betting my life on it. So the common sense decision, in the words of John Davidson, is to reject them. Why is that common sense? Just sum it up for people who perhaps haven't been following it as closely as you. I think common sense when you look at the report, the um, sorry, the submission that's been in the second one. I mean, the first one was 
was described as dis- disappointing, which um, Troy themselves admitted publicly. And the second one, um, for what I've, I've seen some sections of it, uh, from you know the five five different people that I've spoken to about it who have seen it, um, it's not really much of an improvement on the first one. Um, there's a lot of holes in it. And also, on top of that, the four-man committee was, was established with... Uh, I can't remember the two guys' names. The other two were obviously Robert Elston and Simon Johnson from the uh, RFL. And, um, yeah, they, they they did some research into Toronto, into Rugby League in Canada. They um, used a company called Future Media Services that looked at the broadcast market in Canada and all those factors, as well as a number of other factors, including the impact of COVID-19, the saturated um, Canadian sports market, uh, and the fact that Toronto have yet to pull in a major shirt sponsor all led them to the decision to uh, not allow them back in. Mm, so their recommendation is that they're not allowed in. Clearly, yes. Robert Elston hasn't wanted them back in from the start. There's still a, a core of bigger clubs who I think see a value in it. Are they going to be outvoted, do you think? Well, I think underlying on this, you say they see a value in it. I think underlying it on this is the sort of Ralph Rimmer v. Robert Elston thing. So you've got Gary, Gary Heddington, I, can't, I can barely speak, um, uh, obviously supporting the RFL. Uh, he's never been a fan of Robert Elston. Uh, you've got uh, Ian, Ian, Eamon McManus, um, who also I think is not particularly in favour of Robert Elston, who seem to be uh, backing the RFL slash Toronto side. Now that's changed though, hasn't it? Because Eamon McManus was a driving force in, in getting Elston in. It's interesting. He that. was, yeah. I think it was Ian Lennigan, him, uh, Adam Pearson and Simon Moran, who were probably the, the driving forces to, to get Robert Elston appointed two, two years ago. Um, but from what I understand from talking to several people, um, Nick Manus is not a big fan of Elston these, these days. Yeah, well, he did make a comment not too long ago, didn't he, that Super League's reputation was at an all-time low. And obviously that was two years on from the split that, that he was sort of driving. So I think clearly there is there is a dissatisfaction from, from McManus there. There's certainly been hints at it. So what you're saying sort of fits in with that. And also, sort of added to this is the TV deal, which... I broke your story last week. Um, you know, it looks likely that the, the TV deal, which runs out in the next year, which sits at forty million a year, is likely to be much reduced. Um, and there seems to be some scrambling from the RFL side or clubs supportive of the RFL to try and push to get Toronto in to try and improve the TV deal. Even though I think, um, from what I can gather with Sky having Toronto in in all, not in Super League, matters little to them when it comes to um, dishing out money for a TV deal. Yeah, because they, they can't sell subscriptions or satellite dishes to Toronto fans, can they? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, is Toronto's cause at all helped by the, the increased chaos of this Super League season? I mean, only this week, Salford decided they just weren't going to play a game. Um, the, the, the competition itself seems to be unravelling that we, you know, this meeting will get onto this. This meeting will also decide the, the potentially the end of the regular season and, and uh, a new playoff format that will run over the next few weeks instead. Uh, is, is Toronto at all, is their case at all helped by the fact that the whole league has gone to pot, really? Yeah, I think it is in some ways. I think 
they can use out of the, you know, and, and they have done as part of their charm offensive, this is why we went past, et cetera, et cetera. But as I've reported for quite a while, um, and I think you published as editor, a lot of these stories, the fact there were numerous issues long before anyone had heard of COVID-19 and the club was losing millions of pounds every year before that. So COVID exacerbated their issues that were already there. But, um, yeah, I think... I think it can help, but it can also hinder because the fact that we're going to be with COVID for some time and, you know, we're, we're entering another lockdown in the UK um, means that professional sport is, is going to bleed money more and more. So do you back another risky sort of uh, adventure in North America? You know, in the, in the, with the sphere of COVID in the background, I would argue probably not. Yeah, quite, quite possibly by the time you're listening to this, Maybe the decision's been made and Toronto are out now. And if that is the case and Toronto are gone, is expansion in rugby just dead? I don't think it's dead. I think it needs to be ripped up and um, restored um, because we don't learn our lessons from the Crusaders, from Gateshead, from Paris Saint-Germain, from Oxford, from Gloucester. Um, so anywhere else I've missed Paul, um, Adelaide, Perth. Um, yeah. We don't learn our mistakes. We don't learn from our mistakes. And as I say, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. And rugby league just loves kicking itself in the balls. <laughs> what is the point in Ottawa, John, next season? Is there any point in Ottawa coming well, into the league? Yeah, that's a completely side issue, isn't it? I mean, Ottawa brought in by the RFL. Um, and obviously, um, their repairs is very close to Nigel Wood, who used to run the RFL, and I think still exerts a fair bit of influence. Um, Super League had no power or say on that decision. But yeah, it, it would seem strange to bring in a new Canadian team while kicking another one out. I mean, that again, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but this is where, this is where we are, isn't it? Yeah, the problem is with that, It's that's kind of a irreversible decision, really, isn't it? Because it's you know it's a member club, Ottawa. Well, that's the thing. I think, I think what, what Perez and what Ottawa have done is quite clever in that they bought a licence and relocated it so they get a share of distribution and they, they have a licence, they have a membership in the RFL. So, you know, you've got to applaud the um, the ingenuity there. Perhaps Nigel had a word to Eric and suggested that might be the way to go. But, yeah, that's, I think that's quite smart. But um, in terms of Ottawa's future, I mean, yeah, I presume they're going to be playing all their games in the UK next year all their home games or their away games um, which can't be a great start for a, a new club hmm. obviously one issue is that Toronto have been so badly mismanaged and, and that Carlo Lavolsi it appears hasn't been able to uh, show that he has what it takes to take over that he has the money to take over or the plan of action that's one thing but, I, think, but, I think Paul I would say he's, he's declined to show that he has the yeah. net worth to back it as well yeah but the the separate issue is the the investigation or whatever the the probe into the potential future of rugby league in Canada, which has, as you've explained, come to the conclusion that there isn't really anything there for Super League. Therefore, I mean, Ottawa, Ottawa would they just be barred from Super League? They're obviously coming into the RFL. There's there's going to be a point here where the Super League is going to say, you know what. There's no, there's no point having a club in Canada. We don't want them. Uh, that, that there's a situation that's going to arise again, isn't there? A potential yeah, crisis there is a, and conflict. This is, 
this is what happens when you've got two governing bodies with different agendas, different leaders, and probably different thoughts on certain things. Um, yeah, I, obviously Super League were reticent to allow Toronto to be promoted last year because they knew about the lawsuits and the unpaid bills and the, the off-field issues that were grumbling behind the... Behind the still beneath the surface, sorry. So, yeah, uh, I think um, this does present a, a pretty major issue when, you, when you're talking about promotion, relegation and expansion and who's essentially holding the reins um, in the governance of the game and is this governance fit for purpose? Uh, on the Canadian fans who you've got to feel sorry for here, surely, because it's not their fault that their club's been badly managed or that uh, the new guy on the block doesn't have what it takes. They have a clear passion for rugby league. Uh, many of them turned up on a regular basis. There's clear from social media interactions that there's there's a real interest there. There's a real passion. They've taken the the game to their hearts, and we've sort of we're sort of abandoned them here. Is it is there any duty of rugby league to follow up on that interest and and deliver something for for that fan base? I feel sorry for some of them, Paul. I don't feel sorry for the ones who have been abusing me and trolling me for 18 months to two years. No, I think uh, there are some very decent, um, good good people uh, who follow Toronto, who follow Rugby League in Canada, and I do I do feel bad for them. No one wants to see, no one wants to see a club die and staff go unpaid and players not paid for what they're owed. No one in their right mind wants to see that. I definitely don't. And it is quite sad to see a club die and fans, you know, become disillusioned with the sport. So, yeah, I think there needs to be something to try and, you know, so the market is not lost. Uh, and we're obviously putting it on the basis that Toronto don't come back in, they may come in. So, you know, um, but, yeah, I think it would be very, very sad um, if we just kind of scorched earth policy and, and left the market to wither because I don't think you get another crack probably at that market. Um mm-hmm. In Toronto, uh, if you kind of burn the house down, well, not that we have burned the house down, but it has been burned down regardless. Mm, it was you, wasn't it? Oh, it was you all along, Davidson. Oh, yeah, Boxer yeah, matches outside the Lamport. Yeah, I'm the one who didn't pay the players and didn't, you know, pay the bills. That's, that was definitely me. The, the players, as you say, are, are gonna miss out now on money if Toronto aren't welcome back in. Uh, that was the only way they were going to see any of that money that they were owed. Uh, is there any obligation from Super League to compensate them in any way? I would probably say more the RFL than Super League, but yeah, I think there is. I mean, I think you know, legal action against David Argyle essentially, and and the people, the people running the club. I think I think David Argyle has been used as a scapegoat for a lot of people, and he is, you know, he. It is his responsibility. He is the majority owner, but there's a lot of minority owners at the club and a lot of people in senior positions at that club who've kind of denied things that were happening and the truth and, you know, just kind of wished them away. But, you know, you can't you can't ignore the truth, Paul. You can't ignore reality. It comes mm. and bites you on the arse hard. What have you made of some of the media coverage of Toronto, John? I know you've got a bit of a gripe about this. Piss poor journalism. Yes, to use a Gary Hazardian phrase, piss poor, and I'm not the only one who thinks that. Why? Why do you think, Paul? Come explain on, don't, it. Don't play devil, devil's advocate, Paul. No, explain it to the to the listeners. Well, all the things that I've been reporting on for nine and two years have been proven correct. They were correct. But I think I was probably the only journalist who um, 
who, you know, put his cojones on the line and, and reported them. And everyone else has been cheerleading. There's been journalists who've, um, you know, had holidays paid for by the club and not declared them. There's, you know, just been general spin that everything is great with Toronto. There hasn't been a balance of, you know, the good and the bad. And Toronto have done some great things. They've built a fan base. They've attracted a lot of good publicity, you know, Sonny Bill, etc., etc. But like anything, you, you need to come up come at it objectively and with some balance and there's not been balance. I think there's been journalists who have not want to write things bad, bad things about Toronto because they were worried about um, either criticism or pissing off some of their sources and for me, that's unforgivable. Do you think it also it's a part of being rugby league supporters and, and wanting it to succeed? That's probably the worst excuse I've ever heard, Paul. Well, no, what I'm saying is that it, that can cloud your judgment of wanting it to succeed. No, you're, you, either, you're either a journalist. can ignore the fact. Or you're either a journalist or you're a fan with a computer. Um, that that doesn't wash with me. And that's, that's one of the reasons, and we could, we could have a few hour chat on this, one of the reasons why uh, rugby league in England is so stagnant and is going backwards is because of the lack of a critical journalistic media scene um, and the lack of problems to be properly addressed and sc- proper scrutiny, which you get in every other sport. Mm. If only there was some sort of paid-for service online that you could maybe uh, get some, some sort of long-form, in-depth journalism. Yeah, or even, you know, a, a newspaper that came out every Sunday night, you know, with a, with a nice balding editor. <laughs> Those were the days, my friend. They are now... At an end. Uh, nice of Rishi Sunak, by the way, to extend furlough uh, just as I'm being laid off. Cheers for that, mate. Um, other issues from Monday. The end of the season. What do we do? How do we end this? Is Do we change the fixtures that are planned already and call an end to it and go into a playoff series now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, short answer, yes. Um season's dragged on way too long, we've got too many meaningless fixtures uh, the whole of the UK is in some sort of COVID death spiral, so um, bring the playoffs, start the playoffs now, let's get this season done and dusted um, hopefully some meaningful games because there's been a lot of turgid ones lately, although I will say the Wiggins and Helens derby was um, very enjoyable Yeah, we'll come on to that because that was uh, that was a highlight for many people in the last few weeks um, If we're cutting the season short how do we decide what the playoffs should look like? Should it be four teams as was originally planned? Should we go back to the original plan of five? Is it more fair to expand that beyond then to make up for the fact that, that teams just outside the five haven't had the full list of fixtures to try and get in there? Uh, that's probably above my pay grade, Paul, but I, I think whatever the fairest ways, I mean, you'd have to look at the table, which is obviously a bit warped with the amount of games that certain people have played, um, but yeah, whether it be four, five or six, um, I think probably the smaller the better. Um, realistically, I, I can't only see a handful of teams winning the competition or getting to a grand final anyway. I don't, I don't see anyone doing a Salford mystery fairy tale run like last year, but um, yeah, I think maybe five might be the magic number for me. Mm. I think your issue with four is is the fact that Catalans have only played twelve games at time of recording. So to to have yeah. them in above Leeds on win percentage because they've played fewer games uh, rather than one more games, 
uh, would be a bit harsh on the rhinos. Yeah, no, it would. It would. I think that's a big. That's a big problem. We mentioned Leeds Rhinos. Then they got an important win on Sunday, a twenty eighteen win over Wakefield Trinity. Revenge uh, for their thirty points to six defeat to Wakefield just three days earlier, uh, and with it, that result ended Wakefield's run of three successive victories. As Chester lost the dressing room again, John. He'd found it. He'd found it temporarily. <laughs> a two-point loss doesn't um, indicate a dressing room disposition. Of course me. not. And um, Chris Chester rotated his squad, handed a debut to Hooker Harry Bowes. Uh, Yusuf Aiden made his first start in the front row, if that's how you pronounce his name. Apologies if not. Um, so obviously they've changed things around. And I guess this is, you know, it, it was important to Leeds, but this is what we're talking about, games that maybe don't mean quite as much and are just being played for the sake of it this seemed like a bit of one of those yeah it, it did seem when we woke from Leeds played last three days ago just overkill upon overkill at the moment yeah um, although Wakefield would have enjoyed Thursday nights wouldn't they 30 points to 6 win Max Jowett with a hat-trick in the first half that was as mentioned their third successive game uh, win in a row since newspaper reports that uh, Chris Chester had lost in the dressing room. Um, David Fafita also among the, the try scorers, and that was sort of the the best of him, really, or certainly the what we can expect from him on his day. Yeah, but you can't play one or two good games a season. That's just just the issue, Paul. Quite. Is he gone now, Fafita? Is he is he part of the clear out? Um. That, that's a good question. I mean, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of speculation. I haven't heard anything um, myself. Uh, with the whole GPS issue before, and considering his past career, um, if I was Chris Chester and Michael Carter, I probably would be um, clearing him out. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, if he, if he keeps performing like we all know he can, he's got the natural attributes, then um, he makes himself indispensable. How impressed were you with uh, Max Jowett for Wakefield? Yeah, he had a fantastic game. Um, great support play, a couple of those tries, and um, yeah, hit, hit a bit of a rich vein of form. I think he's been up and down sort of since he emerged into Super League. I think it was four years ago. Um, but yeah, certainly taking that opportunity uh, with Alex Walker out with uh, both hands. Mm. Um, and his senior looked pretty good as well. Um, he create, created the opening try, didn't he, as well, uh, for Jowett. Uh, he scored again in, on Sunday. He's He's been a, a decent addition on loan. He has, yeah. I'm not really, not really sure why um, Huddersfield wanted to, to send him out on loan and he couldn't get a game there because I think he's got a lot of potential. But, um, yeah, good to see him getting regular games in Super League, whether it be for the Giants or not. Mm. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Leeds only... Uh 
points on Thursday came from uh, Ash Hanley. His, tri- his only, the only try on Thursday came from Ash Hanley. Um, and then he scored twice on Sunday in the win to take his tallies to 20 for the season. Uh, he was also captain for the day, which I was surprised to find out. Uh, decent day for him. And, and as mentioned, important win for Leeds, wasn't it? Because they, obviously they hadn't won since the Cup final at Wembley. Uh, and it does keep them in the top five with that win percentage of just over 58%. They, they sort of needed it with Hull on the on their tails. Yeah, definitely. And I think he's, he's having a great season, Ash. I have to ask one question, though, and you might know this, Paul, uh, better than me being a, a born and bred um, British person. Um, the hairdo, what, what is the go with the, the kind of flat top um, monk style, Gregarian monk style hairdo? <laughs> I, I, you, I'm probably not the best person to ask about hairdos, to be honest. Touche. Yeah, different kind of monk, maybe. Uh, no, my it's style. Very, very common in, in Northern England, the kind of, you know, um, straight down fridge, side cut, very, very kind of old school medieval. But, mm. Yeah. Um, also, These are things that keep me up at night, Paul. These are things that... That I, that I think about. If, if you know the why. answer, if you know the answer to this, get onto John on Twitter at Johnny D Davidson. Uh, likewise, if you have any abuse about Toronto, that's where you can find him. Come at me, bro. Mm. Um, now, that's the thing that keeps me up um, here, is and obviously why Gil Dudson pulled cold water all over his penis and testicles before the Challenge Cup final. <laughs> Some things we'll just never find out. It's uh, a mystery. Unsolved mystery. Uh, let's talk about Friday night's game. Although before we do, um, big news for Wigan breaking on Sunday evening. But Bevan French has agreed a new deal for the 2021 season with an option for 2022. We'd mentioned here uh, over the last few weeks how it seemed likely that he'd be off at the end of the season, that he'd be joining Parramatta maybe, or rejoining Parramatta. Uh, that's not happening. He's staying at Wigan. Clearly Wigan have thrown a bit more cash his way. That's huge for them, isn't it? Yeah, he's one of the best players in the competition he's shown this year. I would say he's probably the, the third best Bevan that I've heard of, but he's a fantastic player. And, um, yeah, whether the offer from Parramatta was pulled or, or what happened, he got, he got a sweetener, who knows, but it's a big win for the Warriors. Give us your top three Bevans in order. Uh, I'd say Brian Bevan. Um, you know, obviously, uh, never saw him play, but I think he scored about eight billion tries for Warrington. Um, and Michael Bevan, the uh, the great cricketer. So, yeah, Bevan French is up there. Though. I didn't realise we were going out of uh, rugby league as well. It's just general Bevans. If you've got a favourite Bevan, again, uh, get in get in contact at six to go RL. This is the kind of content we need. Best Bevans, as we veer more and more towards Alan Partridge. Is he the best French? Is he above Ray? No, he come on. Ray? Come on. No, no chance. Okay. Um, let's talk about the game then. Wigan go top with an 18-6 win at the Totally Wicked Stadium. Um, nice, actually, for one, to see a derby match played at a stadium that was appropriate. Um, because we'll get onto that issue later on with the whole derby. Um but a big win for Wigan. Obviously, they go top. Also, the quality of this match. I think, you know, no accusations can be levelled here that this was just a game that both teams wanted out of the way. This was a proper match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was one of the best matches. 
matches of the season. I wouldn't say he was the best, which I, I've heard some, but it was it was very very good. There was there was niggle, it was tight, there was a lot of intimidation. There was a few uh, controversial moments, and there was some some individual brilliance from the likes of um, Johnny Lomax and, and Tommy Lulawai. So yeah, it was much needed. I think um, that's game that we've that we've had on these shores in a while. Mm. Uh, Tommy Lulai among the scorers, as was Jake Bibby, uh, the aforementioned Bevan French, and Jackson Hastings. They all scored for Wigan, while Lachlan Coote claimed Saints only points of the night. Uh, Adrian Lamb said post-match that Wigan needed to make a statement, having not beaten St. Helens in more than two years. Um, I guess they made one. Uh, what did it say, John? It said we can beat you in a game of regularity. <laughs> And that's it. That's just the end of statement. <laughs> no, I mean, look, it's a regular season game. I'm sure it kind of gets the, the monkey off the back a little bit. They'll give them some confidence if they meet in the semi-finals. But at the end of the day, it is, it is you know, the the crunch games that, that matter. And so I've had that the edge over them in the past. And they were missing Alex Wormsley, and he's a, he's a big loss for, for St. Helens. And I think there was also some questionable refereeing. Um, but and also, in, while saying that, I think Wigan were the better of the two teams and definitely did deserve the win. But how um, Greenwood didn't get a red card, uh, I have no effing clue. That is a blatant red card, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think any well, one-eyed Wigan fan has an argument with that. Everyone's basically no, on board no, that do. that is a red card. No, they do. Uh, do they? Oh, well, you found some. Got a few tweets saying apparently he, he connected with the shoulder first, which he did. You know, you can watch the replay a million times and it's completely on the head, uh, head and neck. But um, yeah, no, apparently, <laughs> apparently it was just yellow to some people. It just goes to show nothing is certain in this mad, bad world. Hmm. Um, to be fair to John Greenwood, um, the impact that he made wasn't limited to Matt Elise's face, was it? He, he played well. Yeah, he did play. He just had the brain, brain explosion of all brain explosions. I don't know what he was thinking um, and what was Chris Kendall thinking, not giving him a red card. Um, just laughable. Mm. Wasn't, of course, the most brutal hit of the night. Uh, that has to go to uh, the Chris Kendall collision with James Graham. Uh, <laughs> there was only one winner there, wasn't there? Yeah, maybe Kendall had some concussion, which led to the issue later on. But, um, yeah, I hope James Graham gets... Well, she get a lifetime ban for that, shouldn't he? <laughs> retirement, obviously, I'm kidding, but uh, yeah. He should be forced to retire at the end of the season. I think that's only yes. fair. Yes, on that, obviously, he announced his decision that surprised no one. And yeah, he's been one of the, the best English players of the last couple of decades. Um, yeah, very good interview, thoughtful guy, um, you know, massively tough competitor. Uh, and I think he'll be missed. Uh, on both sides of the globe. Yeah, he'll de- he'll definitely go down as one of my personal favourite players of the of the Super League era. I just like his personality, both off the field and on it, and the way he's played the game over the years. Also, anyone who um, takes a nibble on Billy Slater's ear is good in my book. Mm. <laughs> Almost sensual, that. Uh... <laughs> I don't think it was for poor Billy. <laughs> Um, other big decisions in this game, um, the, the Beth and French try, which was very pivotal, was obviously a fantastic move by Wigan, except for the small detail, I guess, that it was clearly a forward pass, wasn't it? Yeah, just a small detail, yeah. I mean, I don't, I 
don't like to criticise referees, but I spoke to a, a Super League coach during the week and he, he made a point about, obviously, the players being fatigued with all the games, but so are the, the officials, you know, they're constantly refing one game and doing the line the next game and video referee the next night and that's leading to some poor decision-making and I think we've seen quite a lot of poor decision-making uh, in the last month or so. Hmm. Uh, never mind the officials. What about Warrington Wolves? They played two games in one day and won them both. What did you make of their 24-0 win over Salford, John? Yeah, I was a bit disappointed with Salford's performance. They didn't even turn up. Hey, bum bum. Uh, yeah, of course, the match was forfeited by the Red Devils due to player welfare concerns. Um, they did have a bit of social media bants, though, didn't they, on Friday night uh, after Warrington beat Huddersfield 19-12. Um, Salford congratulated Warrington on their their first win over them on in six attempts. Uh, Warrington later responding that they were busy fulfilling their fixtures. Um, our old mate Steve Mascard didn't take too kindly to that. Uh, to their red hot bants. What was your reaction? Bit of fun or not? All aboard the banter bus. Um, no, I, I think um, it was good fun. It was tongue in cheek and. As usual, people. Some people take themselves far too seriously at times. So, um, yeah, nothing, nothing to see there. Move along. Yeah, but Steve's just getting old, isn't he? That's the problem. He is a very, very angry old man. Well, he's actually not that angry, but he has got he these Harry Potter. He's got these Harry Potter style glasses at the moment. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, midlife crisis, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Warrington on the game that they actually played, a nineteen twelve win over Huddersfield. Um, Gareth Willips' 73rd minute drop goal ultimately proved decisive after two tries from Darrell Clark and one for Anthony Gelling had given Steve Price's men the edge um, Huddersfield really put up a fight though didn't they uh, in going down to their fourth successive defeat reading 12-8 early in the second half with tries to Jake Wardle and James Gavet uh, is it Gavet or Gavet as Ben Pro said on Friday night I would say Gavet but I could be wrong I, I, I tend to say Gavet um, they were helped by a clear forward pass from Aidan Caesar, to be fair, in the, the build-up to Gave's try. Uh, but they were all right, weren't they, Huddersfield? And competitive again. I mean, seven of Huddersfield's ten defeats this season have been by eight points or less, uh, which includes all the games in this four-match losing run. They're competitive, John. What do they need to do to become winners? Uh, appoint Richard Marshall. Yeah, you think that'll do it? No, I don't. Uh, I don't know if that will do it. Um, he's obviously a candidate for the coaching job, but yeah, I, I think they've um, they've been much improved uh, in the last the last couple of weeks. Um, they've been unlucky in a few games, and I think obviously the Caesar sin being laid on had an impact. Um, being you know down a man for ten minutes at, at such a crucial stage in the game, they, they probably just need a little bit more luck and probably just a little bit better execution and set completion at times but I, I don't think they're, they're too far away um, I think they've probably got the, the raw materials there but maybe one more quality player would uh, would help but that's not so easy at the moment in this uh, COVID transfer market mm. uh, Chris McQueen had a pretty good dig for them, 152 metres from him uh, while uh, their workhorse Michael Lawrence managed 115 metres as well as his 63 tackles even he was outdone in the tackling department by Brandon Moore, however. 65 tackles from him on the night. Um, he's um, put himself about, hasn't he, on his step up to Super League? More, more, 
kid. How do you like kid? Yeah, he's playing well. He, he loves to tackle. Um, Joel Philbin, 123 metres. Jack Hughes, 102 metres. Uh, we're also in the triple figures for Warrington, but the, the big performances came in the front row with Chris Hill and Mike Cooper um, doing a lot of damage. Hill, 176 metres. Cooper, 156 metres, uh, both from 19 carries apiece. Um, I guess with those guys making those yards in that sort of form, Warrington, the closest contenders to, to Saints and Wigan, and do they have a chance going into these, these playoffs of dethroning? The Saints? Yeah, I, th- I think they do. I think they've beaten St. Helens twice this year already. So I think on their day, they can do it. It's just they've had a bit of a wobble recently. They need to kind of get back to that uh, pre, uh, pre-wobble pre form, pre-cup semi-final form. Um, but I think on their day, they, they definitely can. They can do it. Um, is it their year? Who knows? We'll see. Mm. Uh, Hull FC, 31-16 winners over Hull KR on Thursday night, uh, keeping their uh, playoff hopes alive, although they might be ended by the time you listen to this, depending on what happens at the Super League meeting. Um, strange to see a Hull derby played in St Helens. And in fact, on Thursday, it was another case of four Yorkshire teams travelling all the way across the Pennines to play in front of zero supporters. I mean, you'd think we might have found a way to cut down on the travel a bit. For those sides, uh, you know, the, am I just being miserable? What am I just being picky there? Yeah, you've been picky. Professional athletes, Paul, they've got to they've got to do what they're told uh, and turn up to the game that's being played. Obviously, with COVID, there's only a certain few venues of games being played, and that was that was the one. So I guess you need to suck it up, Mr. Bennett. To be fair, in my defence. You know, these, these two games played at St Helens, but then, you know, Wakefield play their home game at the Mobile Rocket on Sunday, just on its own. So, you know, it's not that difficult to put a one-off game, is it? I don't know. Anyway, forget it. I'm getting old, old man yells at clouds territory here. Um, yes, Grandpa. Yeah, Hull's wingers did much of the damage on the scoreboard. Beretta Faraimo and Ratu Nalago both scoring two of the black and white six tries. Uh, Faramo was pretty unstoppable, wasn't he? Especially for Bowden's uh, op- opening try. Uh, it looked like he was tackled several times, but they just couldn't keep him down. Yeah, some of the contact efforts were uh, a bit a bit dubious, but um, he did play well, uh, and Hull seemed to be in a good patch at the moment. I think they've left their run a bit late, but um, they're, they're certainly adding some scalps. Mm. Uh, Jake Connor. Made his 100th appearance for Hull FC and impressed at fullback in the absence of Jamie Shaw. Uh, Jamie Shaw is set to miss a big chunk of next season after rushing his ACL against Castleford. Is Connor the answer here? Would you bring in a new halfback instead to play halfback and move Connor to fullback? What's what do you think Hull should do here with Albert Kelly obviously leaving as well? Yeah, I think um, I think Jake Connor keep him at fullback. I think give him you know tell him this is your position, make it your own. You're going to be there for the next six to nine months. So, yeah, I mean, they've got um, young Ben McNamara there in with Mark Snead. Obviously, as you said, Kelly's going. Um, I understand that Hull had quite a bit, showed quite a bit of interest in Ryan Briley, but he has gone to Lee now. So I think they do want a, a utility playmaker, a half, to boost their squad. But um, I think Jay Conn is well suited to, to fall back um, a bit more of a free role 
and hopefully he can you know find that consistency that's eluded him. Hmm. Um, Albert Kelly is going to leave this week, isn't he? Apparently, um, he's out for the season. He'd already announced, obviously, that he was leaving at the end of the year, so he's returning home. Uh, how will he be remembered? Hopefully, not for that video at McDonald's. What will be the uh, the highlight of his career? Here? You had to mention it, didn't you, Paul? You had to mention it. So negative. <laughs> well, he did it. I mean, you know, it's not my fault. You've just pissed off the whole FC fans now, Paul. Very, very disappointing. Sorry, whole FC fans. Um, mercurial player, you might say. A bit of an enigma. <laughs> Enjoyable, but not always reliable. Yeah, I think on his on his day at his best, um, you know, an excitement machine, a match winner. Um, and he, he had some great performances for Hull FC. Uh, obviously, with the two Challenge Cup wins, you know, he was prominent in those. Um, but yeah, I think on the other side of Hull, uh, his time at Hull Car, how that ended, um, I don't think I'll be forgetting that anytime soon. Mm. Um, let's have a look at the um, Super League table then. Wigan are top now, as mentioned. They are uh, they have a win percentage of 75% from their 16 games. Um, Saints and Warrington both have identical records then in second and third with 70.59% uh, from 17 games. Catalans... Uh, I've only played 12 games. Um, they're on 66.67%. There was a rule stated that any team would have to play 15 games to qualify for the playoffs. Is that, is that going to be abandoned, do you think? They're, they're not going to end the season and say, sorry, Catalans, you can't, you can't play. I imagine it would be. I mean, this is going to be voted on Monday, but, yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation. Mm. Uh, Leeds, fifth, Hull, Six, they'll be uh, waiting to hear what happens to these playoffs. Uh, Huddersfield, Castleford, Salford, Wakefield, Hull KR, in that order, you don't need percentages for them. They are done. Uh, fixtures, brackets, as things stand, close brackets, because this could change by the time you've, you're even listening to this. Monday, Salford v Catalans, presumably that game's going ahead, right? It's a bit late now to call that off. Um, Thursday, Hull KRV Warrington, 5.30. Catalans v Saints, 5.30, UK time. Wigan v Huddersfield, 7.45. Friday, Wakefield v Salford, 5.30. Casford v Leeds, 7.45. Maybe none of those fixtures will actually take place. One that will, though, John. Wednesday, State of Origin, 9.10 a.m. UK time. Queensland versus New South Wales. Game one. Uh... Storm, Melbourne Storm's man of the match in the grand final. Ryan Pappenhausen misses out with a calf injury, but James Tedesco has been cleared to play for the Blues in round one. Uh, game one, I should say. While Luke Keary has been selected alongside Nathan Cleary in the halves. Uh, New South Wales bidding to win a third successive Origin series for just the third time in the history of Origin. And looking at the teams, you'd have to fancy them, wouldn't you? Of course, even though you... you can't say Queensland properly. You have to mispronounce a state. I think you'll um, find that you, and I mean the Australians, cannot pronounce Queensland properly. Well, it's our state now, our series, Paul, so two yeah. fingers, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think New South Wales are massive favourites. They've got the better team. They're obviously a lot more settled. Queensland got a new coach coming in with the old... Uh, Super coach Wayne Bennett coming back, and for some reason, Mel Meninga is his assistant, even though he's the Kangaroos coach, which is surely um, dodgy in many ways. But I think the problem is, um, historically, whenever Queensland are 
the underdogs when they're kind of down and out and, you know, everyone writes them off. This is when they perform and play their best, um, probably most memorably in the 1995 series that they won 3 nil when they were picking blokes off the street. So you've got to be a little bit cautious. I still, I still think the Blues will win 2-1 the series, but um, you can never write those cane-toed bastards off. Mm. Uh, no fewer than seven debutants in the Maroons' 17. If they debut, sorry, your pronunciation again, uh, wonderful. Um, if Queensland have hope, if they're going to win, who provides that hope? Who who is the go-to guy for them? Who are they pinning their hopes on? Oh, I don't think they're pinning their hopes on any one player. I mean, I think DCE and Cam Munster are probably the two uh, the two keys. Um, but I think it's going to be if it's Queensland win, they're going to have to to grind it out and and just out-muscle, out out-wrestle, um, win it in the middle of the field, uh, and you let the backs win on the on the back of that, but it will be down to effort. Uh, I think it'll be a tight game. They generally are in, in origin. Um, but yeah, a lot of these players, well, quite a few of them haven't played for some time, so it's going to be interesting. We haven't had an origin series at this time of year, I think, ever. So it's going to be interesting how they, they combat that and how they cope. Quick score prediction then, John? I will go New South Wales 16-10. What was that? 16-10. 16-10. 16-10. The Blues. The mighty, mighty Blues. Okay, marvellous. Well, um, make sure you tune in next week to find out. I mean, you'll probably have watched the game, let's be fair. You'll have found out on Wednesday. But uh, we'll be talking about a bit of State of Origin next week and um, possibly talking about some Super League fixtures. And uh, if not, then uh, what the hell's going to be happening? with the playoffs. Uh, Thanks for your time as ever, John. Absolute pleasure. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.